Welcome to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. Hey, buddy. Great to see you. How you doing? Hey, man. How are you? Not so bad. We, uh, we've missed a few weeks, but I think there's just been a lot going on and people have been taking time off. Good for them. Exactly. Exactly. I wish it was time off for me, but project releases out the door, so that's good. Take a deep breath and off we go. Woohoo. Did you uh, do anything crazy as a ship party? Did you jump in a water fountain? Um, there was a, there was a gathering, but it was in London, and I'm not. So, <laughs> sadly, you were there in spirit. Yeah, there we go. That's the great term. Yeah. So, um, but it's all good. It's all good. Hey, they approved budget to hire more developers. So uh, there we go. I there, saw look at the that. LinkedIn post. Look at you guys. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, by the way, the world, I invited Jeremy to apply, but for some reason he said he does PowerPoint better than he does code. So, <laughs> <laughs> IT is IT anyways, but uh, yeah. It's definitely true. Um, but for those who want to up their skills, you know, I opened my RSS feed and boom, 26 or 28 episodes of a, a video series on Microsoft Graph Fundamentals for Beginners. Well, if you look at that, right? So Dan Rolene put this together and uh, I per- have not watched all of them because uh, I'm not sure how much uh, them fit, apply to me, but great to see all this content getting rolled out. Yeah, they, um, so that's the DevRel team actually. And they've done a really, really good job uh, of kind of like getting that all going. And um, no, it's exciting to see all that content. I actually want to carve out some time to go through it myself just to kind of get a bit more refresher because it covers all the graph stuff. Um, and there's a few things that Dan showed me and I was like, oh, that's cool to know. So even for those who've been doing it for a while, I still think it's worthwhile just from a refresher aspect for it too. Yeah. Yes, yes, indeed. And there's a whole MS Learn course around it too. It's not just the YouTube videos. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, lots of content out there. Absolutely. And, and somewhat related, there's a, a blog post from uh, your, your colleague, Nick Charlebois, who posted about finding permissions. It's titled Finding Permissions with Microsoft Graph PowerShell SDK. And so Nick also has a YouTube video here that goes through a couple of minutes to show you want to get something from Microsoft Graph. And, and there are commandlets included in the what Daryl calls the Microsoft Graph PowerShell SDK <laughs> that will show you what permission scopes are required for the command. And the idea, of course, is I don't, I don't have to go to the docs. I can just run a commandlet and it'll show me those permissions so I know what I'm trying to do and include that on my connect scope. So thanks to Nick for putting that together. I'm sure lots of PowerShell jockeys who do IT admin instead of dev are, or appreciate that a lot, I'm sure. Um, next one is a, an update announcement from uh, Nick on the Microsoft Teams team talking about new permissions for team chats and tags APIs. And so Nick is going through and some of this stuff is, is it's not necessarily new endpoints necessarily, but um, it's getting an expansion of the resource specific consent permissions that uh, most organizations would love to provide instead of an all around read everything everywhere type of permission. So nice to see this moving along too. Yeah, I, must admit, I hadn't caught that come through. Uh, that's a really good one. We spend a lot of time with what we call our API producers internally, like Nick and Jeremy Kelly and Avjit and other folks in different product workloads of SharePoint Teams and to do. And one of the big things we always hear about is like more granular permissions. And so it's great that we're adding more to that resource specific consent flow so that, you know, if I've got a Teams app I'm deploying, 
the permissions for chat messages and tags are only for wherever that app is deployed. So rather than having access to all of your tags across all the teams you have access to, Paul, it just gives it access to the apps or the teams it's been deployed to. So it's a good scenario. And I'm glad to see that we're doing that for a lot of these different resource objects like chats and tags. That's great. It reminded me I had forgotten that there you can tag a team and puts tags on different entities out now in graph. And so yeah, oh, so he I'm, just yeah, uh, I love yeah, it. Well, I it just a mentions a little bit here. There's the teamwork tag APIs that are in beta as well. So his announcement's really focused on permissions, but by the way, there is a beta APIs to yeah. to work with the tags around teams. And um th- that's certainly gonna be uh gonna be used by a lot of folks, I'm sure. So thanks to Nick for putting that together for us. Another one, uh, we're talking about uh, the beta API. There's a breaking change again on the tasks API. Uh, not that uh, a lot of folks, I think, are doing much of tasks because it's still in beta, but uh, they have changed some of the property names in the tasks API in beta. So life is good here. So if you're in using that, look at the list here. And if you uh, have any other feedback, get it to them before it goes GA because once it's there, it doesn't change very fast. But uh, thanks to the team on doing that. You know, I really need to get more into the tasks. API. I know there's the planner thing, but tasks is certainly on my on my list, right? So we, we should uh, find something about that. Yeah, I'm I'm a heavy, heavy to do. We should get Abjet on actually. I got a heavy, have a heavy use of to do for just day to day flow. And it's funny, I posted something on Yam the other day just explaining how I do it. And people are like, wow, that's actually a pretty smart way of kind of keeping up to date. But the, once this API is in, I think that unlocks a lot of scenarios for developers and product companies to use this too just you know it was on me slash to do and now it's on me slash tasks that was one change that they've made and then these are additional changes that they've just recently made just based on all of the feedback they're getting from bigger isvs they're working with in our incubation so again like we do try and evolve things in beta before we lock them in ga and so as paul says like if you if you're using it right now and you've got feedback it's this is the time to get it in for sure the last of the Microsoft news I found this week is uh, from uh, uh, Brian Jacket on the Microsoft Graph mailbag. So the, the Graph mailbag uh, is, is a I won't cut, a somewhat regular. The team's on fire. Yeah, well, yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, it went, was quiet for a while and it's been resurrected in today's installment or last week's installment, I guess, is uh, search drive items for only files. And so thanks, Brian, for putting this out there. You know what? And I was reading it. And when I first saw this, I'm like, yeah, no big deal. I've seen this before many times. But then it occurred to me, folks on Graph maybe don't understand the content type filter that we've been using in SharePoint forever. So this was a great idea to, to share this information on how to search yeah. OneDrive and filter based on certain types of, of documents. Yeah, it's really cool. And then actually, I was just on a, we were on our monthly technology option program call and we've started running an APAC call actually just to cater for the other time zone. And Lorian Strunt was on there who's um, works for Rapid Circle. And he just did a blog based on the discussion we had in that call actually, which was about how, you know, people were asking how to keep up to date with changes like those beta changes. And we have a change log and we released the new change log, I guess a year ago now. And there's an RSS feed that comes with it. And what he's done a blog post about is how you can build a Power Automate that basically um, will send an email when those when those changes happen, uh, so that you can see when things get added, deprecated, or changed, which is pretty cool. Like you can get notified basically in your inbox rather than going and checking the page. And he's done some smart stuff to like 
format it out using some of the aspects of Power Automate that you know I'm just not familiar with. And he's even done things like posting it to a Yammer group too, because I'm guessing he's doing something smart with emails and Yammer enabled groups and so forth. So um, definitely if you're wanting to try and keep up, that's a neat way of doing it. And that was the whole intent of us having the RSS feed, which I died on that hill that this thing wasn't going to ship without it. And (laughs) finally someone has shown me that it's required. (laughs) Well, you know, I do, I do subscribe to that feed and I saw some changes came out uh, this week or last week about search and, and my RSS feed reader does a terrible job of rendering that feed. It's, it's like the, 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 there's not a lot of styling in the, the RSS feed. So this is kind of the prompt to me to say, hey, okay, maybe I should do some pre-processing of it uh, like Lorian's doing because the, the data is great. It's just, um, it's easy, easier to consume. And I'm sure the way I consume them is different than the way you might or he might. So th- th- I'd love that he put this example together for do it the way it works for you. It, it, worth it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's good though. The thing you've done now is you're going to get an email from me asking for that screenshot of what it looks like <laughs> in your feed reader and which feed reader you're using because I'm going to go tell the PMs about it. All righty, all righty. Yeah, we'll do. Um, <laughs> All right. And then, so the last link is, you know, uh, SharePoint Framework version 1.14 came out a while back, and we've talked about that quite a bit. It was, you know, no surprise that it was coming, but uh, the resident expert on SharePoint Framework things outside of Microsoft is Andrew Connell, and, and his Voitano's blog has a summary of what's new, uh, kind of picking out the highlights that he sees uh, that are worthwhile. So it's, it's certainly, if you're doing anything in SPFX, it's worth reading this to understand what's new, what's changed. And then um, he's got screenshots and talks about things. And um, I hadn't realized that there was the list, the image viewer API that was included. So I'm already working on getting that wrapped into uh, to our product. So uh, thanks, AC, for summarizing all that for us as well. So this week, uh, one of your colleagues, one of your uh, your staff came on uh, to chat with us, and uh, I think I did a decent job of not getting too sidetracked on <laughs> on our history. So Fabian Williams came on to talk about. Universal Actions. Thanks, Fabian, for coming on, and thanks for giving him time to come on. And uh, this is actually, you know, he was on uh, the incubator program, so I'm not sure I had publicly thanked him before, but he did a great job of helping us onboard the Universal Actions into our product. So it's great to have him help on the back end, and it was also great to have him come on the show and do that. So thanks, Fabian, for coming on. Yeah, it was good fun. It's good to to have him on. All right, well, uh, thanks, and uh, have a good week, mate, and uh, see you next week. See Today on the podcast, I'm delighted to welcome a, a longtime friend of ours, uh, Fabian Williams. Hey, buddy, how you doing? I am doing well, sir. Thank you for having me back. How are you doing? Um, not not too bad. For folks who haven't seen you as long as we have and may not understand, can you please uh, introduce yourself and a little bit about your background and what you're up to? Sure, absolutely. So, um, name as you mentioned, Fabian Williams. Out of the DC metro area, I'm a senior program manager on the Microsoft Graph team at Microsoft, reporting up to Jeremy Thake. And um, what am I doing nowadays? Um, running a few incubation programs, um, you know, working with partners and customers on blocking and, you know, fostering the growth of the Microsoft Graph. And when I'm not doing that, I'm riding around in an ambulance saving people. <laughs> Awesome. And thanks for your service. And, and if you, if, oh, listeners, if he drops any 10 uh, 4 Wilco's on you, that's the military bas- service background that he likes to do that <laughs> as well. So he's got me doing it. I was, in a, I, know. I was in a meeting the other day and I used the word copy, and people were like, what? <laughs> 
Look at that. Excellent. So this week we wanted to, I wanted to chat about universal actions that are now rolling out as part of adaptive cards slash outlook slash team. So why don't you give us the, first of all, tell us what is, what do you guys mean when you're referring to universal actions? Sure. So I think, you know, as you framed it, um, starting off, you know, the conversation, you said, you know, universal actions evolving from. So, I mean, it is a progression from what was previously either actionable messages inside Outlook or um, adaptive cards inside Microsoft Teams. And the reason why there is an evolution for that is because even though, um, you know, people would um, see or visualize um, a card, um, depending on where they are, whether in Outlook or in Teams, um, you know, a certain way, the developer, the poor developer in the back end that had to write that stuff, sometimes have to write two different sets of code in order to get the same action. So this unification from universal actions provides a way for them to write, you know, one single code um, base that actually will provide the same type of view and with some added benefits. And those added benefits are in the form of a bot that you do, that you'll actually use to manage some of the back end um, communication and also logic. What's a good example of these, like, you know, it's open world saying get a card in Outlook or Teams, but what does this mean for me as an end user? How would I pitch this to my mother that uses Outlook? Fantastic. So consider, um, we'll, we'll do something that everyone has to do, right? So, if, well, let's say everyone that has a job that provides holidays or vacations, as we say here in the United States, you need to go on holiday and um, you, you want to ensure that there's continuity. So you, you apply for, you know, time off. You put some information in terms of when you need when you need to go, when you need to come back, and obviously you would probably send that to your, your your manager, and your manager would decide to approve or not approve. And there may even be a, you know a reach back into some type of um, you know enterprise you know enterprise system that manages um, you know payroll and time offs and stuff like that. One way that, that can be done is you could certainly do it in an email and you know, say, hey boss, I need time off, and here's what I need it from. So that requires some work and it requires time, and time elapses or uh, you know and, you know things can happen, or you know, you do that and then somebody has to go into a separate system and go figure out, you know, you know, should I approve this here or should I not approve this there? And so there's multiple systems in place. Um, what Universal Actions does is it, it brings all of that into one pane and in one stream so that you can have logic that could possibly go and speak to that third party system. But no matter where you are, whether you're in Outlook or whether you're inside Teams, um, you could, you know, have that experience there and then have everything done in one place and even done real time. And also if you're on a mobile device or if you're on a tablet or if you're on a desktop, same different look and feel and you can action it there. So like for me, if I have a, um, like we own a modern group, which is a group that shows up in Outlook as a folder, like public folders used to. If someone requests to join that now, I see a card that allows me to automatically approve that membership without me having to go into a web browser and click correct yeah approve into right it. so you have an immersive experience where you are rather than having to context switch and go somewhere else yeah okay i want to parse out a little bit of the marketing speak with with the <laughs> where the where the rubber meets the road right so is this a product i go buy or is this a technologies in a canvas i can use this is a technology in a canvas that you can use in fact if you go to um adaptive card that io you can actually go test drive this right now if you give me 10 bucks, Paul, I can turn it on for you. <laughs> 10 bucks, yeah, there you go. Well, well, I guess what I'm getting at is, right, so it's nice that that Jeremy sees this one, you know, nice card experience inside Outlook, but that's because the product owner implemented that, right? Right, and if I were to peel this back a little bit, I would actually start the conversation by framing it around content, right? So content is a driver behind all of this, you know, whether you are, 
a consumer of content or consumer of data, let's just swap content out for data. Um, you know, you, you're either putting stuff in, taking stuff out, viewing stuff. So that's, that's one role in all of this. The other role is the person who is building something around that for you. So, the, you know, the developer that's building that UI interface, that's building that communication layer, that's building, you know, those actions for you to, to, to undertake. So what we're trying to solve for is, you know, as Jeremy mentioned before, is to make that more frictionless. So we want to meet people where they are. So if you're inside Teams, you spend most of your time inside Teams, you want to have a card that's inside Teams that you can that you can action. If you're if you're a person that sits inside Outlook every day, we want to do that as well. So from a consumer, it's it's easier and frictionless for you. From a developer standpoint, what you want to make sure though is that they're not maintaining two different code bases. What if they want to rev up Outlook and maintain a current rev inside Teams? You want to make sure that you know that's easier to manage. Right. And so I know when adaptive cards first came out, there was a whole list of adaptive card schema elements that were unique to Outlook so that it would work because Outlook had actionable messages. And I think it still has those, right? It still has it, yeah. And so I'm guessing the word universal means that some of that has gone away or all of it's gone away, yes? I would say that they are conforming now to a, unif a, a more universal um, you know, schema. I wouldn't, say, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't want to say they've gone away, but I would have to check into that. But I think it's more just convergence. Okay, and then so actions inside, I guess some folks who may be new to universal or to adaptive cards, give us a little feedback about what, what are actions inside of cards and what, why do I want to universalize them? <laughs> right. So and, um, so you're going to let me go reach back now and see when the last time I actually wrote some code. Right? I think it, one, is, one is action. No, I mean, so in, gen, in general for adaptive cards, what does it mean to have an action on an adaptive card? Yeah. Oh, sure. Oh. All right, fantastic. Great to frame it that way. Then I can be less technical. So, um, so what I would say is that, to, to my earlier point, to, to the scenario that was provided of the person that is want to do a vacation request, an action would be, um, let's say that you are you're you're trying to author that um, vacation request. So you type some stuff in, you put some dates in, and you click a button, and that button performs an action. So that button would be now, you know, I, I'm I'm now sending this request off. So imagine then, you know, that button. For you, as a person who um, who's trying to author this, would go to probably now a cancel because you've already submitted it. So you have cancel and the it's, the other one just grayed out. Your manager, on the other end, has approve and you know reject or query for more information. So these are the actions that you can actually take. So the, um, the button clicks are actions um, in in that context, and they can also be contextual on the role of the person as well. But clicking those buttons in the UI is calling a back-end web service that you, as a developer, has to build that it calls, right? But the bot is what's actually sitting in between that oh, space as well. Oh, it's the bot with the universal yeah. actions. Because yeah. it used to be a web API pool, right, with the old adaptive cards. Yeah, it was a web API in um, the Outlook in the Outlook land, and it was a bot in Teams land. Ah, interesting. So now, it's, now it's a bot between both. So mm -hmm. one of the advantages of that, I guess, as an example with the cards that we use for the group approvals is I get the email. Gladys in the team gets the email. Gladys actions the email before me. I view the email. It now doesn't say Fabian has asked for access for this group because the card is basically pulling the most recent information, not the static information in the email, and it will say that Gladys has actually approved it. And so that's the benefit of these things in, in the mail flow is that although the mail was sent yesterday, the information in the email because the universal action card is showing is is up to date with whatever the process's status is. 
So the, the answer to it is absolutely yes, but consider this as well. Um, that's one scenario where it is, I guess, um, there's a term for it, like the first person gets it. I forgot what that term is right now. Um, but so if there's a bunch of different people in a group and one person actually it, it, then it just basically goes dormant for the rest. However, you could have a scenario where that is actually a serial workflow. We definitely want it to go from one person to the next and the next and the right, next right. With, with history there as well. It supports both roles. Well, oh, that's clever. Both of those and more. What's the scenario of use outside of approvals? Sure. Outside of approvals. Paul, how have you used this? Come on. You must be using <laughs> it in a clever Paul, way. Paul, you, Paul, you have one, right? <laughs> yes. So what's not really in the title is Universal Actions, but really the power for us is that it will I can include a new item in the card payload called refresh. And somewhere the magic that Microsoft has in the cloud is whenever it determines that the user has revisited this card, it makes a call back to my bot and I can provide the latest state. So that's to your point, Jeremy, where if you if you open your email tomorrow, it'll query out. It can query out and say, well, what's the state of this action, if you will, and then re-render the card with that. And so, and, and that's that's what we're doing. Uh, generally, an onboarding, right? So, if you're onboarding something into our product, there's steps that have to happen, and maybe maybe Fabian can't do everything yet until all those uh, onboarding steps are completed by your tenant administrator. And so, we'll give you the hey, <laughs> go ring your tenant administrator and have them do something. And then when that's done, uh, the card will then change in that regard yeah so yeah refresh yeah so it handles dependency really well so yeah that's actually a fantastic example and two more for you jeremy since you mentioned it and uh, by paul talking gave you some time to think about it um one is definitely um polls so we're, we're talking about reactionary stuff here let's talk about something in the forefront so if you want to do a poll like a, you know trying to find meetings and stuff like that one way to do it is certainly you can certainly do it with a card so rather than doing a uh send out an email that says hey I'd like to have a meeting on, uh, you know, on X, you know, in the next few days. What do you guys think? And then have people reply back, reply back, reply back, and then trying to find a consensus. You can actually have those meetings you know, predefined. You can actually have the bot go find out at people's free busy and put that inside there inside a card, so you can actually have real options. And then you can action it there, and then it can actually book that meeting for you. So that's one. Another scenario is um, consider requisitions. So you need to request something. You know, you can actually have that all done inside a card as well. You know coming from you know real-time infantry or coming from you know you know things that they should have based on their roles you can actually build intelligence inside there as well so those are two other scenarios besides approval that are that are commonplace with the partners that i'm working with yeah i can also see like even the work we do with crm and how we manage our isvs and mm -hmm. you know if i'm asking you about an opportunity we have with an isv if you could add that card into a teams chat when i finally get to the chat it's the most recent information coming from crm and not the point in time where that status was when you shared it. And so those kind of things, that broadens the, how relevant this thing is as well. Paul, I, I got to ask, you're an advanced developer in bot framework. I, that's how I would state. There's a lot of times I've had to ask you to help me. I remember build demos where I was stuck and engineering couldn't help me and you helped me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think this is the right direction with how they've gone to bots rather than doing web APIs? Because I'm assuming like a developer building a web API endpoint that has like inputs in and outputs out is a lot easier than the up ramp of building a bot. Yeah, so if I, if I had a solution in market that was doing the old Outlook actionable messages, this would be more work, right? But if I'm thinking through about 
all the different pieces, right? Well, so so from my point of view, this refresh capability to me is 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 more of the the driver than the actual you know standardized schema for the actions. And so I think about when I'm going to be refreshing, how much context do I need, right? And if I'm working in the Microsoft 365 stack, context either means SharePoint or Teams, basically, right? At, at the end of the day, uh, having a bot is just as well as anything else, because the other alternative would be that I, if you think about if I have a, a service or an application and I'm going to show a card and then maintain, maintain state on that card, and now I have to maintain context as well, so it's taking the load off me. So I'm okay with it being in the bot framework. Obviously, we have one, so it's <laughs> obviously a no-brainer there. So in that regard, yes, that, that's fine. There's still some rough, ev rough edges, and, and Fabian has heard me talk about these before, but right, so in some cases, when you click the button, how does that get sent back to the bot, right? Because in the bot world, sometimes a button comes in as an activity message, and sometimes the bot comes in as a bot framework event, and now universal actions come in as an evoke with a different type of code. So I don't have the dialogue stack in my bot when someone clicks on a button, which is you know uh, an obstacle, but from the concept of, I need to show a card and keep it up to date with, with state, it's good enough. I like it. I do like it, so. And in my conversations, Jeremy, um, you, know, you know, there is a lift, you know, that, that especially if you're not building something in Teams already and familiar with, with the bot framework, but you know, we have great documentation that's out there. Um, and as I mentioned before, when you started off the conversation, I'm running an incubation program. You know, there's a lot of benefit to be gained by, you know, being a member of the incubation program. As Paul pointed out, when you meet into those issues where, you know, handling handling conversation and it's called one thing in one place, one thing in another, and then, um, you know, trying to find where you fit in between. Um, the incubation program is a great way to, you know, get that reach back into the team to share that information to make, you know, life easier for people as, um, as they, you know, as we create more documentation and more samples and as they go along their journey. And where are we at with all the tooling now, Fabs? Like if, like I generally don't know, like I'm not talking to you this deep on it, but when I looked at Bot Framework and spinning those things up in say Visual Studio Code, it was pretty light in terms of what you got as a, you know, vanilla structure project. Uh, is there something that's kind of on rails to get you kind of up and running with a basic, like an approval universal actions flow end to end? There are some simple quick starts that are out there, um, but yeah. I think Paul, you know, Paul's lived this life a lot more recent than I have, but I know there's quick starts out there to help you get on board. Yeah. And so I think it's really, you got to go get ramped up on bot framework to really be able to do the universal action. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a that's a fair statement. Well, yes and no. I mean, if if what you're trying to support is is vacation requests, in which case I just I output a message in one to one or an Outlook, and all I'm doing is updating that message. But framework, I don't have to go into the whole dialogue and language generation and Lewis models, right? Because at that point, yeah, it's true. It's very basic flow. Yeah. So uh, yes, you'd you'd be implementing the Teams activity handler, but you override the invoke whatever it's called, method, and you're done, right? So, right, right. In fact, it may be a community sample I should work on. <laughs> yeah, it's more like, you know where to squirt your logic in some but jumble of bot, bot framework classes in, yeah. um, in TypeScript. Uh, well, C-sharp, but yeah. Well, C-sharp, sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so the aspects of this, Fabs, on where this works, obviously, you know, there's, you know, with Office Web Add-ins, it took a while to get this to go on like Outlook Mac and Android and iOS. Where does Universal Actions work across those Outlook clients? Because Teams, I'm assuming, just works because it's one stack. 
Yeah, and you know the, you, 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 you caught me here flat-footed because there actually is a list um, and we can definitely put it inside the show notes later on <laughs> that actually shows um, you know, all of the versions of Outlook supported because we actually did have a partner that actually asked that very question. And in fact, I go one deeper. Um, you know, how does this um, work also in clients that are not Outlook? Like, you know, let's say that you have an Android device and stuff like uh, that yeah. or, or iOS oh, device as well. Right. Um, you know, there we have scenarios where you could actually fall back and go straight HTML, yeah, and um, you know that's another example of how you could uh, you know do have more support for systems that are not you know the most current or not in the Microsoft stack. But I can definitely get you the link, um, you know, for your show notes. Yeah, that'd be good to put in the notes. Yeah, because like that's a good point too. Like if I just use the basic mail app on my iPhone, which mm-hmm. I don't know how common that is these days with you know Outlook being so good on the iPhone, but they're not going to be able to render that because that's a Outlook specific. Yeah contract right exactly yeah so you just you'd fall back to the html yes. rendering yeah well i guess the iphone wouldn't even know what to do with the the json packet in the payload in the email and it would just ignore it and carry on yeah correct we actually have one part that actually brought up that use case which is um reason why it's, it's top of mind for me right now yeah, yeah. okay for those following along right so back in the actionable messages stack you could put the card as you were sending an HTML message and the card was in a header and the actual the fallback was the plain body of the HTML message. So if you're, if you're using it and you have customers who are not using Outlook with the actual, you, you need to include in the, the, the body of your message, the fallback rendering so that in that scenario, they, they would just see the, the, the mail as it was originally intended. So that all works. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. But I'm guessing then that this automatic refresh bit then requires a specific host, right? So if I go back to the adaptive cards technology, I can, they're rendered by a host and Teams has a host and Outlook has a host and the SharePoint Viva Connections now is a host and I can write my own JavaScript you know, host. Can I play in this refresh world if I have a custom host or do I have to use what is being provided? I have not seen an example where you, anyone's doing a custom host. Everything, everything that I've seen so far plays in, in, our, in our ecosystem. So I don't know the answer to that question. Um, I've never seen that case before, though. Yeah, because what I'm getting at is I can see some benefit if I have a card in a Viva dashboard, then perhaps I want it to be refreshed as well, right? And so I know that there, yeah. is, there is some refresh capability going on in Viva, but... Um, Obviously, it'd be great to have all single one. Yeah, no. So far, my interactions has just been with with, with Outlook, with Teams, um, with with Search, actually, as well, too. Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to see how this plays into the Ace things that Viva and SPFX are talking about too. Whether they're completely different technologies or whether they're aligning there too. Well, so so I can answer that again. I know I'm not trying to be the question asker and answerer, but the, the ACEs are, are a card that the Viva team or SharePoint team is hosting and you provide the data packet. And then when I click into going more details, that's when I get more control. So okay. the initial look and feel is not going to be, there's no way for me to put a refresh code in there right. unless they do it for me. So I don't see that happening today, but um, yeah, it would be nice. It would be nice. Yeah. So where, where can they go to get started with this Fabs? Adaptive Cars at IO is the perfect place to go. It has it almost as beautiful as uh, ak.msg for our Graph Explorer, but it's a great place to go get your docs, um, get samples. Um, it has a great designer uh, that you can actually use in real time. 
and um, you know a good place to start to actually visualize it. Um, you know, in terms of what you're going to see. The benefit here as well, you like in in, in our world in Graph Explorer, you know, you can basically go get an API call and you can see what the JSON structure look like from you know for your payload and also for your results. Here, you can actually see the card and you can you get you can play around you know with with the various inputs and the various actions that are there and see what it would look like real time and copy and paste that into your code because it. Uh, I think you know we were talking before we started. It is a declarative too. <laughs> <laughs> and I still have, uh, if you don't mind, you you sent me a bunch of links when we first started working on this to to GitHub samples that I'll include those in the show notes as well. A lot of these scenarios that you talked about have some samples that uh, folks can can get on there as well. So that's awesome stuff. Great in there. But what's next? Where where? Well, maybe we should get the engineering team on. But but uh, is there any any plans to to do more stuff that you can talk about, or is it really still get still gathering feedback at this stage? So I will tell you that before I came here, I went to the engineering team. And I said, "What can I talk about?" <laughs> and, they, and everything, everything that I've talked about already is what they've permitted me to talk about. So there's other things that are in in plan. I'm just not able to share that right now. I guess your answer should be if you join the graph tap and join the incubation. <laughs> you know what? You're going exactly right there. Right. So 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 yeah, the incubation program, um, you know, does provide a means for you to get ahead of that curve, um, to know what's coming down the pipe in an NDA setting so we, we can speak freely and openly so i would encourage anyone that's not a member of our technology adoption program you know to you know, to join that program it, it is it is a prerequisite to be on the incubation program anyway and once you're in the incubation program for um you know, for uh, adaptive cards um, which includes universal actions you know we can have a more free-form conversation and to be fair when I say, he says anyone he means any isv that's building apps inside the infrastructure five ecosystem or an enterprise customer. You mean I didn't make that clear? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. So ISV or enterprise customer, what, what's left? <laughs> I think we, so, so most listeners of the show, I think probably could qualify in some form. So fair. Yeah. The, the audience is probably scoped to that. Yeah, little yeah. So the, yeah. the message though, folks, is if you, and one of my questions was going to be how to do feedback. And so, so part of that is a reach out on the, the graph tap program, but I, I presume you're on the social medias as well. Uh, Fabian, how do folks uh, reach out and get a hold? Of you. Very little, very little. Very little. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's too busy saving lives and ambulances exactly. to be on social media. <laughs> okay. Right, but certainly. Um, so um, I am at Fabian Williams on Twitter. Um, I think it's Fabian Williams also on LinkedIn. And, um, you, know, you know, I welcome all emails. So Fabian.Williams at Microsoft.com as well. Um, if you want to reach out to me that way. That's very brave, perhaps. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Yeah, so Outlook rules are poor. Yeah, I have an actual message for that too. <laughs> well, this yeah. is great. And again, I can certainly endorse the technology. It, it, it's great. Although we've talked about adaptive cards on the show a lot with Paul's graphic design skills and how, how wonderful that is for me. So nice. To, thanks for coming on to talk about that. And uh, we certainly got to get together for another hockey game before uh, before too long now that we do. they're lifting up. So thanks for coming on, buddy. Thank you very much for having me, guys. Cheers, Fabs. Good to have you on the show. Cheers. For listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.M365DevPodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. 